0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It was a conversation that I didn't want to have. Many years back, it's the day before Ann and my wedding, and I'm sitting out on the back porch of Ann's folks' house when her aunt, her Aunt Pam, comes and grabs me, and I can tell from the, the look on her face that something is really bothering her. She has this grave look on her face, and, and she grabs me and kind of pulls me aside and says... Can I talk to you for a minute? And my heart sinks because I'm worried that she's got some concern about the wedding or something. What is she going to bring up? And, and she says, Ryan, I know that you're a Bible student. And I've got this Bible story that's been keeping me up all night long. It's like, oh, okay, phew, all right, that I can deal with. And what story was it? What text was giving her trouble? This one right here that we read just a moment ago, this parable of Jesus about the unforgiving servant. And you know the story well, that there's this guy who has a huge debt. In fact, in my reading this week, the 10,000 talents he owes was roughly equivalent to the whole gross domestic product of the Roman empire. Okay? It was a ridiculous thing. Jesus often does this in his parables. It's a ridiculous amount. He's using hyperbole there just to show how deep the doo-doo was that this guy was in, right? And so he begs, he pleads from the master, from the king, please forgive me my debt. And he did, just like that. It's pardoned, it's forgotten, and forgiven. And so what's the guy go out and do? He rings the neck of the guy who owes him ten bucks, right? Like, well, wait a second, how does that work? And his fellow servants, they see him, they report it back to the king, and now the king comes back and says, ah, not so fast, you're going to prison after all, you and all of your family. So goes the story in a nutshell. And so young Ryan, the seminary student, the young, brash, confident seminary student, says, oh, Aunt Pam, you know, please don't be troubled by this story. It's probably because of the, of the ending, and that it seems like the master comes off as kind of a vengeful, or, or violent even, and that's probably what's troubling you. Don't worry about it. This guy, he really was a louse. He was a loathsome character, and he got what he deserved. And Aunt Pam says, that's not great either, but that's not actually what was keeping me up. I said, oh, okay, do tell. She says, no, what, what troubles me about this story is I can't help but wonder, does God do takebacks? You remember takebacks? You know, when you're a kid and you're trading baseball cards and, you know, you traded a rookie card for this really good guy and then he turns out to be really good. And then you're like, oh, wait a second, like, actually, I meant this other card and you try to get it back. And your buddy's like, no takebacks. And wondering, does God do take-backs? He forgave all this debt, but now he is relinquishing that forgiveness? Decides he's going to throw you into prison after all? At first, you looked like maybe you weren't such a a sad sack sinner, but now now he can see who you really are. He says, actually, take back that forgiveness. I'm going to put you into eternal perdition prison after all. Does God do take-backs? That's what Aunt Pam was wondering. And when she asked that, suddenly I started to wonder it too. Is this the way that God actually works? That he will erase our debt, but if we don't prove ourselves to be a good Christian, keeping up our end of the bargain, that he's going to rescind that forgiveness and put you into hell after all. Does God do take she asked. Or another way of putting it. Doesn't forgiveness count? And suddenly I wish that she would have just asked about the wedding, right? (laughs) Doesn't forgiveness count? The short answer to the question is no. Forgiveness doesn't count. And no, God doesn't do take back. But why is that so? How can we understand the story of Jesus? Well, the context is all important here. That's always the case, but especially here. So we see at the beginning of the story, it's prompted by Peter coming up to Jesus with a question, a perfectly reasonable question. In their time and place, the rabbis would say that you need to forgive your brother up to three times. Your brother sins against you one time, two times, three strikes he gets, and then he's out, but three times. Well, Peter recognizes that there's something special about his rabbi, about his master, about this way of life that they're following. And so Peter comes up and rather generously asks Jesus, how often will I forgive my brother? Jesus, as many as seven times. Whew. You can just imagine how hard it was for Peter to ask that. As he's walking up to Jesus, he's probably thinking, what should I say? Should I say four or five? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big. I'm going to say seven because I know that I have a generous master. Should I forgive up to seven times? And Jesus is like, bro, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Is Jesus saying that, oh, you just need your multiplication to be a little bit higher? You need to be able to count a little bit more than you have been able to before. No, with this answer, Jesus is saying, in effect, forgiveness doesn't count. You with me? Seventy times seven is just another way of him saying, this is not the way that our kingdom operates at all. In the kingdoms of this world, in the way that you normally operate, forgiveness keeps count. But in my kingdom, in your life of following me, forgiveness doesn't count. And so then when he tells this story... He's telling it in a way to to demonstrate and to illustrate precisely this problem. A a contrast between two different kingdoms. On the one hand, you have the kingdoms of this world. The way that humans normally operate. And in this kingdom, you get your just desserts. You get what you've got coming to you. In this kingdom, forgiveness is a count that you keep. And we see the, the servant in the story operating out of that kingdom. He has this huge debt erased after he, he comes to the king and asks if he can have a little bit more time in order to pay it off. But no sooner does he step out of the king's room and he suddenly goes back into that kingdom in which he lives. He can't escape that mindset in which forgiveness is a count you keep and you get what you deserve, your just desserts. He can't help but fall back into that default mindset and wring the neck of his fellow servant who just owed him a few bucks. This is the one kingdom, and it's kind of our sinful default operating system. That forgiveness is a count you keep, and it's ruled by your just desserts. But Jesus is contrasting that with another kingdom, with his kingdom, in which forgiveness is not a count you keep. It's the air you breathe. In this kingdom... It is ruled not by your just deserts, but by his forgiving grace. To live under that kingdom is to know that forgiveness is the air that you breathe. It doesn't count. See, this is the invitation that that master is first giving to the servant. When he forgives him this outrageous debt, and perhaps you notice that the servant didn't even actually ask for forgiveness. He just asked for a payment plan, Right? You know how they do that sometimes on the internet? You say, okay, yeah, this is really expensive, but you can, we'll give you some installments. He's asking for installments to pay off a gazillion dollars. It's not going to happen. The king invites him to live into this other kingdom in which that debt is not just forestalled, it's forgiven. And yet the servant, the silly servant, refuses to live under it. And so at the end is their take-backs. Is the king taking back the forgiveness he gave before? No. What's happening? He's saying to that servant, if you want to live in that other kingdom, the kingdom of just desserts, so be it. But you will play by its rules. You will get what you have coming to you. Because that's the kingdom that you chose to live in. And so the question for you and me becomes not, does God do take-backs? No, he absolutely doesn't. The question becomes, which kingdom are you living in? Are you living in this kingdom of just desserts, where forgiveness is a count you keep? Or are you living in the kingdom of forgiving grace, where forgiveness is the air you breathe? And how can you be sure that you're in this kingdom, where we all desire to be? I think back to that conversation I had with Aunt Pam, and I'll be honest, I don't remember how I responded to her that next time. I'm sure it wasn't good, and I hope that she has forgiven me, right? She's a wonderful lady, I'm sure she has. But you know, thinking about it now, what I wish I would have said is simply this. You know, Matthew 18, where this parable of Jesus is told, it comes before Luke 23. And I don't just mean canonically, that is, in the the order of the Bible, nor even chronologically, just the order of historical events, but I mean Christologically, that is to say, according to the logic of Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, it's in Luke 23 where we get this picture of our Lord Jesus, when he is hanging on the cross, when our king is being crucified. And who's he being crucified for? For the good people? For the nice people? For those who are generally already pretty forgiving, no, friends, he is being crucified for unforgiving louts like you and me. He's being crucified precisely for his enemies. And as he hangs there on the cross, out of his very heart, the king speaks to the father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ Jesus hangs on that cross for you and me in order to forgive us of all our sins, including of our stubborn, unforgiving hearts. And hear this. This is what forgiveness does. The forgiveness of the Father does not count your sins against you and me. We said it already in our liturgy this morning. Lord, if you kept a what of sins, a record of sins, oh Lord, who could stand who could stand before God if God was up there as the inveterate accountant, as the bookkeeper, tracking down each and every time that you and I failed to forgive as we ought. If he kept that record against you and me, if we lived strictly in that kingdom of just deserts, who could stand, not a single one of you or me, but forgiveness, the forgiveness of your father does not count your sins against you. And because the king has taken your place, He will never take back His grace. Because the King has taken your place. He will never take back His grace. And what's more, the risen Lord Jesus has drafted you into His kingdom. He has made you members of His body In holy baptism, he washed you of all your sins, not just past, but present and future. And he said, now you are sons and daughters of the king. Now you are subjects of the kingdom of God. That's who you are. You belong to this kingdom of forgiving grace. You belong to this kingdom now where forgiveness is the air we breathe. So friends, that's also the challenge for us. Because you are... Subjects of the king. And forgiveness is the air that we breathe. Peter gets it right when he says, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Not should, but will. Because now for you who are subjects of the king, now you who belong to Christ and are baptized, forgiveness is as natural as the air you breathe. You have to think about breathing. It's just what you do because you are alive. You are alive in Christ. You are subjects of the king, and so forgiveness is the air we breathe. People are failing you every single day, often the people that you love the most. What are you going to do? Lapse back into that other kingdom? Run back there and say, wait a second, I want to give them their their just desserts this time. No. We give the gift that we have received We share the mercy that our Lord has showered upon us. That doesn't mean that forgiveness is easy. In fact, more often than not, it is very, very hard. But especially when it's hard. Don't look to the sinner. Don't count all the ways that they have done wrong against you. But look to your forgiving Lord. Lean on his unfailing love. Because in Christ, there are no take-backs. You can count on it. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.